Hi, this is Mark McCraw. I'm on Defining Moments podcast with Mr. Wong. We have been talking today about uh, my books as a children's book author. We talked about bullying, which is really important. We talked about some some reasons why I write and uh, that it's not, not only therapeutic, but I enjoy being a writer and being able to share some of the theme-related books that I have. And I really enjoyed being on this podcast today, um, being able to share those stories uh, about literacy and, and then leaving a lasting legacy for the children and making a difference in the lives of children. That was a, very important to me. So it was, it was an awesome experience. Thank you for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Welcome back to the Undefeated Show, Defining Moments Podcast. We're located here at the Triple B of OKC in Kyle Golding's beautiful podcast studio. This episode is brought to you by our great sponsors, M&D Drilling out of Waller, Texas. Today's very special guest is an author of children's book, and he's also a retired disabled veteran of the United States Air Force. Mr. McCraw, welcome to the podcast, Hi. sir. It's nice to see you. Yeah, Thank you absolutely. For come. Thank you for your service to our great country. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Before we get going, here are a few gifts. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And our sponsors have for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So you served our great country. Yes. What does it mean to be an American? It means a lot of sacrifice, Mm -hmm. a lot of commitment, discipline, dedication, those things that they teach you in the military that that help you uh, throughout life and through civilian jobs as well. Mm Mm-hmm. What are a few things that they've taught you in the military? What you've learned? I've learned, well, <laughs> one thing is I uh, always keep my hair, well, for the most part, I keep my hair about the same, you know. <laughs> so that's one of the things I've picked up. But yeah. uh, no, it really is just uh, being uh, logistics, really, being able to coordinate things. Mm-hmm. It's helped me a lot, especially writing books. It's yeah. helped me to kind of break those things down, the tasks that I need to do and things like that, and be like a long, long-range planner. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into these books, though, what led you to the military? Actually, um, I was very fascinated with, uh, you know, I've had, my grandfather was uh, in in several wars, and I was fascinated with him because he was in multiple branches of service. Um, I was fascinated with my my other grandfather, my foster grandfather. He was uh, was in World War II, and uh, I was just really wanted to serve my country, and that was the main thing that I wanted to do. And... um, I had a choice actually to sit down and as a junior and figure out what do I want to do. So I had this <laughs> giant sack of all these different brochures from around the United States and all different kinds of tech schools. And I, I looked at the Navy and the Air Force and the Army and all that. And I said, well, uh, the Navy sounded pretty interesting, but I'm not really that great when it comes to swimming. I'm okay, but <laughs> I think I'll just go to the Air Force. Yeah. And so being an ROTC, junior ROTC, really helped me to, um, you know, get into in the military and get promoted a lot faster because mm-hmm. I had spent four years in junior ROTC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long ha- were you in the uh, Air Force? I was in the Air Force a little over eight years. And then, um, and then after that, I was on what they call transition assistance. I got on, I got out on an early out program. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I went on to get, go in the Air Force Reserves, and I spent four years in the Air Force Reserves and had the opportunity to go on active duty, um, you know, do my regular drill time and go to places like Belize and Germany and places that I had never been before. So mm-hmm. I was excited about that. Yeah. What are some of the comparisons to the countries you've been to compared to the United States as far as maybe um, the climate of how industries are built or civilian life 
Well, I mean, as far as like going to other countries, um, I know it's a lot harder to get products and food and things of that nature. Um, but I always love to go to another country because I get to experience the culture. Mm. So when I go to a place like I was stationed in Korea, I, I don't only just stay on the base. I go and I, I go around the country, go on tours, get to meet people. And I really believe that when you go to another country, one, you have to respect the laws. That's important. I see a lot of people who aren't respecting the laws when they go to other countries. And that's a big problem. But um, I feel like that, that we need to teach our children that there's cultural experiences in the United States and outside of the United States that we need to appreciate. We need to learn those customs and uh, even trying to learn the language. If you've never tried that language, um, you get a lot more respect. I was on a tour in 2021 to Korea uh, and the Korean government and some of the military organizations there had sponsored it. And uh, the tour guide was really surprised that I could actually talk to her back in Korean. Wow. And she was like, you know Korean? I'm like, <laughs> yes, my teacher is Mr. On, you know, and I went to, you know, intro to Korean class and all that. So, you know, so I really believe that you have to be, you know, involved in the community that you're at. And I used to be involved with like festivals and all kinds of things locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So be a part of the community. How's the food? Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love kimchi. I love... <laughs> You know, I, I love uh, Korean barbecue and bulgogi and all that. I, I love any really Asian food. Is If it's really, really hot, I have a hard time. Not so much now. Well, now it's more so, but yeah. before it was, yeah. Okay. I can't, it, was, it, was, it was okay, but now it's I can't do that anymore. Yeah. As I'm yeah. getting older. So, right. Yeah, you know, those hot things just, just <laughs> bother me. Right. <laughs> what, what's your favorite base or country that you were based at? That is so hard because I've been to over 10 different countries. So there's just so many, but I guess it's because I have been to Korea so many times. Mm. Uh, I've been to the Philippines. Uh, I was actually stationed in Okinawa and I liked all of them, but I like Korea because of the fact that they have progressed so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, every time I go over there, I was there in 86 and 87. I uh, went TDY temporary duty in the 2000s when I was at Kadena. And then later on, I went to the 65th anniversary of the Korean War in 2017. Wow. And then in 2021, I was invited on another tour with the first group of 10 uh, Korea defense veterans that served after the Korean War. So I had the opportunity to go and, and go on a five-day tour and go back to bases that I hadn't seen in over 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing the, the amount of construction that's going on and the, the expansion was just like I was floored. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know? It's the progression has just happened so fast. Yeah. You know, and it's in, in many countries, but not just Korea, but um, it's hard to really pinpoint, but I, I do like the, the, the people there too. So. Yeah. Were you married during your service or? Uh, we actually got married in 88. Okay. Uh, actually, my wife went off into the Navy. Okay. Um, I was going to college after high school, and uh, over the years, she had gone to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And we had been communicating by Mars radio and things like that. And, uh, you know, she actually, there was actually a letter in Austin, Texas that had been sitting on the refrigerator for three years because she had been gone and I had been trying to communicate through her parents. So um, we got back together in, in uh, Bergstrom Air Force Base, which is now closed, uh, closed for the military, but it's still a, a civilian airport. And uh, we actually got married there. Wow. And I did not know I was going to go there. She actually had orders to Atsugi, Japan, and I had orders to Masawa as a security police. And I changed career fields, and I didn't know what base I was going to. And it just so happened on Mother's Day in 87, 
we actually came together in Austin, Texas, and we got married a year later. Now, the funny thing about it is I've known her ever since we were in junior high. So not only have we been married, you know, we also were friends Mm -hmm. around the block from each other and went to high school and junior high. So, Wow. That's (laughs) really interesting, actually. (laughs) So it's just kind of interesting how it happened Mm -hmm. and and some of the things and experiences and, um, you know, so yeah, I enjoyed it. So you've been to 10 different countries, plenty of, you're, you're well cultured. Mm-hmm. What are some defining moments that you've been through in your life that you'd like to share with our audience? Defining moments? I guess the biggest thing is I actually got to go on a 19-day trip with 43 high school students <laughs> from Spain, France, and Italy. Okay. And that was a long trip, 19 long days. And if you know anything about high school students, you know, you got to keep them away from each other. So, um, but it, they enjoyed it and I enjoyed it and I got to be a tour leader. So I've got to be a tour leader twice, actually. Uh, one with People to People International, which mm-hmm. they um, uh, had a tour group there at one time. And then um, EF Tours, I took a, a football player from Oklahoma who had never been out of Oklahoma <laughs> and uh, actually took him to, uh, to Italy. Wow. And so, so I've had a couple of EF tours that I've gone on, you know, with different students. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great experience. It really was. Yeah. Know, it was an eye opening. <laughs> well, what does leadership mean to you? How would you define leadership? Leadership really is not only just being a boss, but also to be a part of a worker, too. I mean, I see, uh, I think recently I saw a CEO of, uh, of an airline or something was actually stepping in and, serving on an airplane and i thought how cool is that that he's showing them uh, the people that he's that are working for him that he's not afraid to get down there and work with the other people and that's the biggest thing about leadership is you can't always sit at the top and just send a lot of things down without knowing what the effects of that's going to be mm-hmm. you know whether it's the rule changes or you know or things like that so it's very important that you're that you're a part of the team as well yeah what are about three words you would use to describe a great leader? A great leader, one, is uh, motivated. Uh, uh, not only being motivated, but friendly to people around them. Um, and I think also uh, really dedicated to their job. And But I think the hardest thing is being able to define the difference between work and home. So you have to be able to balance your time. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes I've seen people who are working that, Everything is about work. There's no, there's no defining part where they can actually cut it off and say, okay, work is done. Um, especially like if you're a teacher, for instance, you're mm-hmm. always constantly thinking. You know, a lot of people think that teachers stop at three o'clock, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and, yeah. and really they're thinking all night long and they can't turn their brain off. And I think that's the same way with any CEO position or any uh, leadership position that you have to be able to do that. So. Yeah, yeah. How do you create your own work-life, let's say, balance when you are serving or when you're just in your professional life? In my professional life, well, it's hard, kind of hard to do because when I worked in the Department of Corrections, they didn't really give you a choice at 11 <laughs> o'clock at night. So usually they would say, you know, you're staying. Your friends were going out the gate and, you know, you're staying. So there really was hard to balance yeah. your life when you never knew if you were going to be home or you're going to have different days. So it's hard on your family when you have a job like that where there's no, you know, volunteer kind of, uh, motive. So, um, and I think you have to be able to, you know, spend that time because, you know, you can look back and say, well, why did I work so long? You know, 
you're trying to provide for the family, but at the same time, you feel guilty because you're not being able to spend as much time. And I think that's a problem that we have is, is because a lot of times the, the pay scales are not high enough. So you see multiple people working multiple jobs and they're losing time with their family. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's a yeah. hard, hard life to live. Um, even as a, when I was working the nonprofit, I was constantly gone all the time. And, you know, sometimes it was a seven day work week, you know, and sometimes it was an unwritten rule that you had to be doing things on Sunday, Yeah, you know, so it's not easy. It's not easy in the workplace uh, with jobs that have those commitments. Yeah. Yeah. You're an author. So you might appreciate this question. Mm-hmm. If you were to write a book about yourself, what would the title of that book be? Uh, I would say um, a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I just had different careers over the. You know, I, I, uh, I. It's it's just kind of funny how it's worked out. How I've got into education and and how I was you know been going to school since 1983 and I stopped in 2017 and then started again in 2019 and so there was a lot of chaos with that going to school and working and all of that normal kind of things that people deal with today you know but. Uh, I think that, um, that really jack of all trades would be, you know, um, and then of course my family always thinks I'm a resource person that I always mm. find stuff on the internet for people or found money for people like family members and stuff like that. So yeah, they yeah. get all excited about that. Like, so they call me resource man and they were going to get me like a cape and put an R on there. It says resource man. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? yeah, you, you said education. So were you a teacher as well? Yes, I actually started. I started out first as a teacher's aide, one-on-one um, to some special needs students um, who who needed the attention one-on-one. And then later on, I became a teacher aide in a classroom uh, with a resource teacher. And I uh, had worked for more public schools for a while. And um, then later on, I went on to become a teacher, uh, got my teaching degree, and uh, had the option to go to the Apache Reservation in Arizona. Uh, or uh, go to the uh, Navajo Reservation and, and teach mm. uh, because I had already gone to the University of Phoenix. I was getting my master's, and I already had my background checks. So they loved that because I was already ready to go. And so I chose the Navajo Reservation and worked in an elementary school there in, uh, in Arizona. And then, um, and then later on, I moved back to Oklahoma after five years and uh, started teaching fifth and sixth grade in yeah. Oklahoma City Public Schools. So. Wow, pretty fulfilling. You enjoyed it. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed. It. I, yeah. I enjoy the I enjoy the students. There's um, there's just so many different things and amazing things. You know, like you know the, when you ask the kids, like you know, is there a question? And they'll come up. You know, well, my daddy, you know, he went out and fixed a tire. <laughs> you know? yeah. and it's like or whatever. You know, yeah. so it's not really a question. You know, it's just like they just want to tell you what happened or mm-hmm. you know in their life. So it's it's just so precious to see things like that. You know. Yeah. And I actually keep in my office a, a, a notebook that I have probably over 40, 40 or more um, years of just uh, constant uh, letters and and things that kids have given me. Yeah. You know, and I keep that, and I look back at it every once in a while, and I wonder, how are these kids doing today? You know, what are they doing as an adult today? Yeah. And it's just kind of neat to look back and and see those those you know Valentine cards and those different things that they give you uh, for teacher recognition and things, and it's just it's very rewarding. Yeah. I think that's what the most rewarding of all is working with the children. Yeah. What has teaching taught you? What has teaching taught me that there's always something more to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as as you know, with technology, teachers are having to know more and more technology, 
And uh, I came from a generation where, you know, com- I didn't really start doing a lot of computers until I was in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so that's always a learning curve when you haven't been around a lot of things. And you, so you have to really go back and try to learn some of those things and kind of, you know, catch up with the rest of society. Yeah. And there's always a learning thing. That's one thing I've, I've always learned is it's always trial and error, learning and learning something new. So, yeah. What are a couple questions that people never ask you, but you wish they would ask? Um, I guess the question I think asking, I would say, is, um, you know, really about how how writing is how writing is important to, you know, I guess that's the main thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people come up to me and they say, I can't write. I said, but you can. Mm. You can. You have a story to tell. And I guess most people think that they can't publish because they don't think their story is good enough. So I really wish that they would, you know, uh, say, well, you know, kind of do the same thing I kind of do and say, well, no, you can do it. You just got to you got to kind of have a leap of faith mm-hmm. and go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really wish that like like and I've had a few people that come up like, how do you become and stuff like that. But um, I really wish that more people would uh, be able to do that, would you know, realize that it's that you can do it. It's becoming more easier now today than it was when I first started. Yeah. As, yeah. At, you know, when I was growing up, it was harder. You had to go through traditional publishing and now you get all self-publishing now, you know. Right. So let's let's get into the author. Like, mm-hmm. how did you start? Why did you start? Explain that and kind of take us through that story. Okay, in two thousand and five to two thousand and eleven, I was working in more public schools, of course, as a teacher's aide, and um, I started seeing a lot of authors coming in to our school, and I started like pulling them aside and asking them questions, and I was just fascinated with them, you know. Um, but over the years, as time went on, I didn't think much about it. I had these stories in my head, but I just never put it out. And, and it wasn't until 2020, 2021 that I said, you know what? I think I might be able to do this. <laughs> so I put out my first book, Did You Come Home for Lunch, which was a military-dependent book. Yeah. And, uh, and then after that, it was just like all of a sudden all these ideas started coming to me, and I started publishing another book and another book and another book. And... Uh, when I went to my first publisher, Archway Publishing, they were really surprised that I had written so many books after the first one that I published with them. And uh, they were amazed that I had written so many books when most some of the authors that they have haven't written that many in so many, you know, in a long time. So they were really impressed. So the, it's not really about the quantity or number of books. It's really about trying to portray the stories. Mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of books that have to do with animals. Uh, I typically try to do theme-related books that deal with problems that our children are having and how they can deal with them, as well as not only leaving a legacy for my children and grandchildren. So each book represents a child or grandchild that it's dedicated to. Most of the books in there are, are done that way. So I just work my way down the list yeah. and find those stories that they may have had problems with things that were going on in their life or um, you know uh, things that that you know they can figure out a solution to. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I really want to make a difference in the lives of children. That's what I want to do, and I never got into it for the money. There's a lot of people say, "Well, you know, success is all about this." They ask me, "Well, how are your book sales?" <laughs> and I tell them, "Okay, but how do you define success?" Right. I said, "Do you define success only in money?" Success to me is when a, a child picks up my book and reads it. Success to me is when my books are global; they're around the world. 
when somebody in Germany buys my book, or somebody in Australia buys my book, I never thought that would have happened mm-hmm. in 2021. Yeah. I never thought it would get that far. I never thought it would get to the library. I never thought I'd be on Audible or any of the major retailers. Yeah. And it just it's and even in the library now I've had two that were picked up by a Metro Library. Wow. And so I'm excited that it's it's going this far. Yeah. And uh so if when I go to an event, uh like I'm going to one this week, I even if I don't sell a book the whole time, I always mark it. So I'm always marketing during that time and I'm always thinking about the next book. Yeah. Or the next manuscript. And so I what I do is I pre write and I just pre write them and I just put them up on next to my door. Hmm. And then later on I come back to them and I just pick them up and you know, revise it and do those kind of things. And then later on I format it, hire the illustrators, the editors and things like that. And I typically have children read my books. Okay. So I find children that are the right age, I work through their parents, and I hire them to narrate my books. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What are a few of your favorite books? Because you've written quite a few. So mm-hmm. what are maybe three or four of your favorite ones? And how did you come up with the character and the storyline? Well, Babbling Betty is one because, uh, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm a babbler. <laughs> but no, I've always been accused of that when I was a kid. So um, Babbling Betty was probably the funnest, I think, because I actually got to use the letter B in the whole book. And I used stories about, you know, uh, different things about the little girl, you know, who... Uh, who knows a lot about reading, mm-hmm. but she gets in trouble when she goes to class because she's babbling about it all day. And so her <laughs> classmates don't like it when she's doing that. And so, you know, and then she goes on to have some guest speakers that, um, you know, got uh, abducted by aliens, you know, and uh, and she didn't believe their story, you know, <laughs> things like that. So there was a lot of different stories of uh, in there about uh, the little girl goes on a trip and she ends up, uh, her dad gives her bubble gum, a water mm-hmm. bubble gum because she babbles all the way from uh, Boston, Massachusetts, you know, and uh, to Birmingham, Alabama. And so her dad gives her a water bubble gum, you know, yeah. and uh, tries to keep her from talking the whole trip. But it's just kind of fun. And a lot of it relates to some of the true stories that happened to me when yeah. I was younger. So I kind of, like, throw those in there. And uh, and that was an alliteration. And I'm actually working on that letter A right now. So. Okay. But I just do a little bit of different things. I do um, that one. Did you come home for lunch? That mm. was just a fun story. Mm-hmm. That one went on to San Diego Festival of Books last year. And this year it was in Times Square. Uh, it was with uh, 200 other authors yeah. from age 9 to 90. And uh, they were actually, those books were turned over to Simon & Schuster. So I was excited about that. So wow. We don't know how that's going to play out. But uh, I was excited that, you know, that book is going there. And I'm looking at next year going to a national event. Hopefully, um, there's some ones in Miami and Austin and some other places that I want to look at yeah. uh, to try to get my book with exposure. And some of those events have 30,000 people. Wow. So, I mean, I really want to get that exposure out there. Um, but I enjoy doing that. And then the toilet paper caper of 2020, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, that's just a, it was a fun rhyming book. And it really it was just about greed and hoard, hoarding. Yeah. It was teaching kids that, you know, there's people out there who are selling toilet paper. Yeah. And, you know, making a lot of money on it and hoarding. And, and it really teaches the kids about people being greedy yeah. and hoarding stuff. And that's the that's the main main part of that theme. Yeah. So building those themes in there, having that legacy as well as literacy, those two are important to me. That makes a lot of sense. What are, what's one book that you wrote about that is actually about you and your life? 
Well, actually, believe it or not, Did You Come Home for Lunch actually has pictures of me with the military uniform. Okay. So when I'm reading the book and they see the picture, they kind of like, they look at that picture and they said, looks familiar, you know? Yeah. And then I said, well, it's about somebody in this room. And so I'll look around, you know, when I'm doing the, the book talk or whatever, and they'll say, that's you. <laughs> so they'll point at me and they say, that's you in the uniform, you know? Yeah. So they're really excited about that. So they get to identify me and the character in the story and, yeah. uh, and they get to learn about it. And you'd be surprised how many children raise their hands and say, you know, I have some a mom, a dad, mm-hmm. aunt in the military, uncle, whoever. And, yeah. uh, and then I always tell the children that don't, that aren't in the military that mommies and daddies still go away. They might be on business. They might sure. be in the oil wells. But it's always good when they come home because you can, and that's what it's about, is that you come home and they can hug you, and it's it's that reunion. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. What's your favorite part about writing books? Really, it's therapeutic. It okay. really is. Um, and it's the funniest thing because I never thought that I would have the next seven titles in my head already, and I've already got the ideas already. Some of them have been written down. Yeah. And I'm working on three right now that are at my desk that are hopefully will be out by, by the fall and, and two Kindles. So I'm excited wow. about that and uh, the audibles. Uh, the more words you have, the more expensive it gets on, on narrating. So I have to wait yeah. on those. But uh, I have done most of them in audible, and uh, they're not long. Uh, but several of the kids, they just it's good for them because they, you know, they don't have to sit that long, and it's not a long book, and uh, and it works well for them. And I usually bring props. I usually <laughs> like for Did You Come Home for Lunch? I have a I have an Air Force guy that salutes, and I bring in a little C-130 plane and. Uh, next couple of weeks from now, I'm going to be reading to some three, fours, and fives. So I'm excited about that. So the youngest I've read to is two years old. Okay. Yeah. So most of my books go on all the way up to fifth grade and gotcha. uh, and sixth grade. So the one that just came out this week is called Brains Over Brawn. Mm. And that's about bullying. It's a fifth grade bullying book. And so that's kind of new. And one of the kids today asked me at a school, uh, how come you don't have the book cover? I was like, well, I got to buy the book. <laughs> I have to get the book in print. And then once it comes to me, then, you know, then I can, right. you know, I have it. But I'm like, it's, it's fresh. So I started reading part of the manuscript so they could hear hear about it. And I said, it's it's already out. It's yeah. just, it's waking its way around. So yeah, it's on Amazon. And, and the, so, yeah. So you, you wrote a book about bullying. Your thoughts have got to be up there about, bullying in society itself right now do you Mm -hmm. have what are your thoughts on bullying bullying is an epidemic when you have kindergartners that are bullying and you hear stories of that and it goes on up it's just it's becoming an epidemic um today we had talked about different kinds of bullying um and how when i was growing up there wasn't a lot of internet stuff going on with cyber bullying we talked about that we talked about physical bullying and social bullying and all kinds of different uh, types of bullying and um, it is it is a problem. I mean, mm-hmm. you see that even in the adults. So in the in the front of the book, I actually dedicate it to those adults and children who have ever been bullied. And it actually talks in the story about a young boy named Marcus who actually was not only was he a bully, but he learned that it wasn't okay to be a bully. But at the same time, he was being bullied. Mm-hmm. And so some people would say, well, you should leave that out of the story. And I'm like, no, why leave it out of the story? Because it's real. It's real, you know. Um, and so there's also resources in there from, from stopbullying.gov that explain to them how to, how to look for bullies. And so we went over those kind of things. And we also talked about respect and how important it is. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that they learned something from that uh, because it is an issue that goes on every yeah. single day. 
Yeah. Uh, you see it on the road, road rage. You see it on the internet. You see it uh, in schools. And uh, it's important for the schools to have a bully prevention program. Mm -hmm. And not only to have it, but the children to be able to apply those concepts. Yeah, yeah. So on the topic of bullying, what, what are the couple, I guess, hints of being able to identify a bully? Well, one, uh, a bully is looking for somebody who's weak. They're looking for somebody who may not have the right size. They might be tall, short, glasses. Uh, you know, it could be a myriad of different things that mm -hmm. they don't like. It could be their accent. In the case of Brains Over Brawn, it had to do with the kid's accent. He was a Southern going to a Northern school. Mm. And so the accent was different. So because he talked funny, the other children started bullying him. And it wasn't right. just one bully. It was multiple bullies. Right. So Brains Over Brawn actually talks about how does that bully overturn something that's very complicated because you're only you're not you're dealing with more than one bully mm -hmm. and it can be a bully it can be a set of a set of kids it could be you know kids that are leaving people out on the playground those kind of things so i explained to them that there's so many different ways you know teasing and and hitting and spitting and things like that there's just yeah there's so many things that a bully entail today um that's just it's rampant and we got to do something about it we really do because there's too many things that are happening in society um because of that yeah yeah you, you said we got to do something about it so my question to you is what are a couple of solutions from you on how to stop bullying one is to report it mm -hmm. and my you know the thing of this story that uh about marcus and the brains over ron is he didn't report it until he was an adult mm. And so I told the children today, I'm like, don't wait to report it when you're, you know, report it right away. Right. And the problem with children not being able to report it is because they're afraid of retaliation. Yeah. They're afraid if they go to the principal, they go to their, their teacher, they're going to get retaliated against. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they don't report it. So they go home and they have this feeling in their stomach of being sick all the time. So their parents really don't know what's going on. You know, until yeah. they start to click and they start seeing, well, why is he getting sick all all the time? Yeah. You know, then they start to figure out something's not right. I probably need to call the school, talk to the teacher, talk to the principal, see what's going on. Is, you know, am, is my child being bullied? You know? Yeah. And so, yes, that's that's a big thing. It really is. And it happens in a lot of classes. Yeah. You know? And that, that bullying topic is uh, kind of, it can get pretty sensitive and actually can get really heated. Yes. With uh, just human beings talking about it because everyone's got a different perspective so they do i definitely appreciate yours thank you yeah yeah, that, yeah and that's really the what what the book of really is talking about is you can find a way to outsmart a bully by using your brains you just have to be able to use your brains and figure <laughs> out a way to overcome that and you can yeah. overcome a bully because bullies don't like when somebody's nice to them yeah you know they don't like when you stand up and say i'm not going to put up with it they want you to, they want to be the aggressor. Mm -hmm. You have to be the person that's, you know, you know, it's calm, but at the same time, you're not, you're going to stand up for yourself. Yeah. You know, so. What are a couple other themes you're looking at to writing these books? You got bullying, anything about social media use, family. Yeah. The, the next couple of books is really, really, there's one coming out about accidents and how a kid's accident prone. So there's one coming out on that one, and there's a uh, there's some other ones coming out. There's one a funny one coming out that's going to come out in the fall, mm -hmm. later in the fall, and uh, it's uh, a fifth grade boy is actually going to be an author, 
Okay. So one of my grandsons is going to be the author. Oh, wow. I'm going to be the co-author, and uh, then he's going to have, we'll have an illustrator that will illustrate the book. And so by the end of my grandson's fifth grade year, he'll actually have uh, be an author. Man. So it's just helping the next generation be, you know, realize they can do this. Yeah. So I've been collaborating with them a lot on it, and uh, I hope to have that story out within a couple of months. So. Wow. So how old is a fifth grader? Uh, usually wow. around nine or ten. Nine or ten yeah, years old. Yeah. So yeah, they're very creative. Mm-hmm. Probably can tell a good story and yeah, help her. yeah, yeah. They and you know, sometimes you'll have some that are like eleven, ten, eleven years old. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's usually around that age range. But um, they, I think it's it's really good for them to be able to do that. And I try to tell the children that, um, you know, a lot of authors really go back to those stories that they wrote in, in elementary, and they yeah. actually create books today. And so I said, you know, and some of the kids will come up at different events, and I'll say, you know, they go, well, I'm really good at drawing. And, and then the brother, or the sister, and the sister and brother, and the brother will say, well, I'm really good at writing journals. Well, why don't you two get together, you right. know, and make a book, and and we I can show you how to do that. Yeah. So I I do have people that come up and ask me that, and I'm like, you can do this. I'll show you how to do it. It's not a secret, you know. It's not classified. Yeah. And I can help you create this book and show you how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give your younger self, let's say, eighteen year old self? What would I give advice to an 18-year-old? For yourself. What would you tell yourself? <laughs> uh, learn about things about life before you get out of high school. Mm. Learn about financial literacy. Mm. You know, learn about the world around you. I think there needs to be more things about citizenship. Um, I know a lot of states have started that you have to pass a citizenship t- test to pass wow. in high schools. I think there's 14 states that require it. I don't know what it's up to now. But, you know, you'd be surprised on people who don't even know who George Washington was, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and you see that, you know, you've seen that in, in different uh, things like, uh, you know, on different shows and stuff. Sure. They go out and interview people and they're like, have no clue who the current president is, you know, or yeah. things like that. So I really think the kids need to know basic things about what it's like to be an American. Mm. You know, and I think we're losing that because we're not sharing that and, and children are coming out and like have no clue on these things and there's and the things that they should know mm-hmm. so i would say financial literacy and citizenship would be two important ones you know of course there is home economics you know sure they need to have a block on financial literacy because a lot of kids don't know when they leave school or yeah. their parents never taught them maybe you know? right so right. they need to know about credit cards and all those kind of different things that's really interesting the financial literacy some economics and citizenship yes I, I highly agree with that. Wow. That, and, of course, bully prevention, which we sure. talked about. Yeah, that needs to be in there as well. And, and letting the high schoolers know that, hey, bullying can still happen yeah. when you become an adult. That's that's where road rage and things like that come about. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. That, that citizenship one is actually quite intriguing because you brought up George Washington. If, yeah, if you don't know who that is, I don't think he should pass, and your whole entire grade should probably fail. Yeah, there. You know, I think too. the American government is important that you teach them, you know, basic things about uh, citizenship, you know, and the mm-hmm. flag and what it means. Um, and as a veteran, it, it's the flag is very important to me. And you know, when I think about all the generations of people before me who sacrificed for that flag, um, it's disheartening when I see somebody disrespecting it. Even though, you know, they'll say that's freedom of speech, and I understand that. Um, it's to me as a veteran, it, it, 
it means a lot. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to have that flag and have that respect uh, of, about being an American and what people fought for, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and sacrificed for. Yeah, and that's a great point because you're exactly right. The, the flag means a, a great deal to myself and my family. And your point is you do have freedom of speech to, quote, unquote, disrespect the flag if you want. Mm-hmm. However, there's unintended consequences that right. come along with that. And there's a lot of respect that doesn't really have to be talked about that you should respect the flag. I mean, you know, when I went to Korea and they start, you know, they do the national anthem and they do things like that, their anthem and all that. You know, it's just out of respect that you stand up and sure. things like that. And just it, you have to have that sense of respect when you go to another country. Um, and when they're doing something like that, um, and it's it's with anything, really. I mean, and to a veteran, uh, you know, the flag means a lot. They do a lot of flag ceremonies. They do mm-hmm. a lot of things with, with funerals and things of that nature. Yeah. So it means a lot to them. You know, and I think the, a, a child needs to know and a you know, high schooler also needs to know as well what it's like to be an American and, and uh, the respect of how to take care of the flag and things like that. Yeah, especially folding the American yeah, flag. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't think many people know how to fold the flag. Yeah, so. I actually do. I was taught that <laughs> in elementary school, believe it or not. <laughs> and then you see a lot of flags in schools, and I'm glad that we see that because that's important, yeah. you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, so when you uh, go back into your your life, and think about not just your defining moments, but what were some of those obstacles that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? I think the hardest thing for me, because that's how that bullying book came about, was when my parents separated. Mm-hmm. That was very difficult for me. I had a hard time dealing with that. I think I'm not making excuses for it, but I think that was the hardest part of my life. Um, and that, and then also with my, my mom being sick, um, that was that was. Uh, uh, definite um, hurts because my mom had cancer and stuff like that and it was just it was uh, a, a very bad time of life you know because I really wanted to get through that and it was hard and uh, you know it's hard when anybody goes through that kind of that kind of disease yeah yeah, yeah I couldn't imagine that going through that what you just explained and talked mm-hmm. about that's that's got to be super challenging are you eventually going to transition from writing children's books to more adult-themed type of books? Not so much. However, I am using a lot of my parents and grandparents. Yeah. I actually talk about my grandparent in Brains Over Brawn, uh, who was a World War II vet, and I actually talk about him and some of the funny stories that are in there <laughs> about him that, that talks about you know him coming to visit us and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that, that's in there. But I intertwine some of that in there. I've actually my dad and uncle are twins, okay. And uh, so I've, there's some stories coming out, which uh, I think they're excited that they're coming out. My my dad had passed away in 2012, and my mom was in 2021, and uh, you know so it was, it was pretty tough on that part of it. But I'm I'm actually weaving those stories into as I go along to my parents and grandparents, and. Uh, weaving those within those stories. So yeah. I got some, some younger grades coming out and uh, I've got some fifth grade coming out and I've got a fourth grade book coming out. So basically first, fourth and fifth yeah. are coming out. And uh, probably I'll, I'll, I do have a, an idea for a middle school one that I like to do. And then um, somebody asked me to do another military book, yeah. which I'm going to probably do that next year. Okay. And so that'll be my third military book. 
And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a very sensitive book, but it's also going to be a very important book. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. So, But I have all these titles in my head. And then one day I had some epiphany. I was at somebody's house or a, a daughter-in-law's house, I believe. And uh, I just, all of a sudden, uh, this poem came to my head. And I just, I had to start typing it. And I'm not really a, a poet, you know, I just, it, it just came in my head and I just started writing. And I'm like, you know what, that might make a good book. You know, that might be a good kid's book, you know. Yeah. So that's how that happens. I have to write it or text myself right away or I'll forget it. Yeah. You know. Well, whatever you do, don't stop writing books because <laughs> you. when you talk about that, your face lights up and I feel a, a good vibe. And Thank I feel you. like you're really yeah. excited about it. I am. When I, it's funny because I, I'll go to the VA and stuff and, uh, my blood pressure actually gets better when I start talking about my books, you know, it's just, it's for me, it's not, you know, and I have author friends that, you know, they, you know, they give me some mentor advice and stuff and, and I do it a different way than most people. Sure. Some people do it where they just do only retail stores or some of them do retail and then they do individual book signings. And then some people just only do book signings. So I kind of hit the gamut of all different ones mm-hmm. um, because I want to hit those different mediums out there. Yeah. You know, and so I've got ebooks out there that are on like uh, 10 or 15 different ebook sites. And uh, I have books that are over 38 different websites out there and several stores that are out there online. And, um, you know, all my pretty much my trailers and everything can fa- be found on www.markmacraw.com. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty easy. And uh, I try to update that as much as I can. And uh, I put a lot of those pictures and things that I do and video trailers and things of that nature on there so I can you know, get people interested in those kind of books and have those conversations with their kids. Yeah, I love it. When was the last time you challenged yourself with doing something you've never done before? The last time to challenge and never probably, probably learning uh, new things like like uh, doodly and stuff, where you actually get to make these kind of like cartoon characters and mm-hmm. stuff. So that was challenging for me because I'd never done that. So what it is is, uh, and I've made videos where you record over a character. So it's kind of cool to do that. I've never done it before. Yeah. So it's actually, we've got a little man that's on a video and he's out in the woods and he's like, have you seen that, that, that there, that there's a, there's a Oklahoma author and you know, he's just raising his hands. And so I've got all kinds of things and I'm raising yeah. his hands and, and, and I'm recording over it. And it's just, it's cool. You know, yeah. it's, I like to see things like that. It's so much fun. I, I guess it's, I'm a kid at heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get in trouble when I go to Walmart or places like that at the toy section because I always like gadgets and gadgets. Yeah, and it's just because I was a second grade teacher, and that's I mean I literally as old as I am, I still try to get down on the floor with the kids and read. Yeah, you know, so I may not be able to get back up. Yeah, but at least I get down to their level and yeah. try to uh, you know meet them on their own turf. You know, yeah. but for me that's that's everything. Yeah, that's everything, and uh, I will continue to write as long as I can. And again, like I said, it's not about quantity. It's about sharing something that's a piece of my heart. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite gadget when you were younger? My favorite gadget, <laughs> surprisingly enough, was boxes. <laughs> As I enjoyed going outside, and I know today that's probably, you know, kids still do it today. Yeah. They go out and make box forts. You okay. Know, or, yeah. or getting, you know, blankets and hanging them over the side of a table. Yeah. For me, that was so much fun, you know, yeah. uh, going out and playing in the water faucet, you know, and I mean, that was our water fountain, mm-hmm. you know, it's turn on the water faucet and that's how we drank outside, you know? Yeah. So I miss those days because I think today there's so much technology, which is good, 
but I think some of the children are missing those opportunities to get outside and ride their bike and mm. and get out and read more and and do things other than just technology. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with doing technology. It's you, but you have to have boundaries. You have to teach sure. your children boundaries, and uh, you you have to be able to spend time with them because they grow up too fast. Mm-hmm. And once they're grown up too fast, it's hard. You know, yeah. Um, you may not see them as much and things like that because they they have lives. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we should change the name of this particular episode of Define Moments Podcast to Life Advice okay. by Mr. McCraw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert by any means. I've just learned by the seat of my pants, you know, over the years. But, uh, you know, writing is a trial and error. It really is. Sure. Um, and uh, I think every day I learn something. I've talked to probably over, I don't know, 50 or 60 different authors in several years. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot. They've taught me a lot, and I've taught them a lot. So Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. What are you most proud of? Well, the fact that um, I can go on Google and find my my books in Japan and Italy and Poland and Switzerland. And, you know, and one book was actually, uh, there's a lady who I did a contest on Facebook, and she was from Scotland, I believe, and um, she won a book, and she read it, living on a military base, and I sent it to her. took a while to get to her, but uh, she put a a review on UK Amazon, so I was Uh excited about that. And then I had one, the toilet paper caper was bought in Germany. Okay. Uh, the problem is, which is one of the ones, the last one that I that I just did before Brains Over Brawn, and that one was actually bought in Australia three weeks after it was put on the market. Wow. So for me, that's that's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to see that my book is, is being distributed out all over the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes me happy. It makes me feel good. That, And then one day I saw a young boy who I think I've seen before, uh, probably a homeschooler, I'm not sure, um, who was reading the toilet paper caper on YouTube. Huh. And I was like, wow, what the whole yeah. life? I was like, I can't believe that. That's awesome. That is so awesome. That just made me feel really good that yeah. a child was reading my book on YouTube. That's great. You know, and uh, and I enjoy that. That's that's what makes me happy the most. Yeah. Is when I can share. And so far this year, I've read to over, not including the last two, uh, probably over to to six hundred and sixty or so kids so far. Man, that's a lot. Yeah, so I'm excited about it. I really am, and I enjoy doing it. And I've got another one scheduled in a couple of weeks for three, fours, and fives. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Too. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears for sure. just a minute. Absolutely. Usually, we filled out questions to our audience on especially on twitter because we're very active on twitter sure and so i've got just three questions that i know that's the most common ones so does pineapple belong on pizza what are your thoughts does pineapple belong on pizza i like pineapple so for, for me yes <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i like pineapple because it's good you know some yeah. people don't like pineapple but because it's too it has too acidic but i like yeah. pineapple okay <laughs> are you a big college football fan my big well, I do go to some college football games. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I like other sports too. So. Yeah. What's your so, favorite sport? Um, actually, I get in trouble if I say this. It's actually volleyball. Girls okay. volleyball. Yeah. Okay. I know my wife would say, "Oh, yeah, girls volleyball." Yeah. Um, and actually, I've been a referee actually for high school. You know, uh, volleyball uh-huh. girls and stuff. Um, and I really like girls basketball because they're really good at it. Uh, mm-hmm. As as guys are too, but I really enjoy watching. And I, I'm not good at basketball, so. Mm-hmm. But volleyball, I've always loved volleyball. I love to play volleyball. Yeah. And I do like to watch football, but, um, you know, I just prefer volleyball. Okay. Very good. Last question. For mm-hmm. you. 
How do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Well, that I left a lasting legacy for my children, um, and that, you know, literacy, obviously that someone is reading my book. Yeah. To me, that is so important, and I enjoy it when I sit down, even with my grandkids, and they're reading. We're reading the book together, you know, um, because it's helping them, and it's and uh, we're sharing that time together. Right. And that's what's important. You can't get that back. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And it's just so precious to sit with a a kindergartner who, you know, will say, you know, come over at forty seven, you know, and it's just it's those funny things that in life that crack you up, or when somebody asks you a question. You know, or you say, do you have a question? And they go, um, well, my mommy went to the supermarket. You know, and I was like, yeah. it's just so precious. You know, how right. can you not, you know, just laugh at that? You know, yeah. and eat the little kindergartners out there saying all kinds of things. I have red hair, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's it's true. just, it's rewarding. That's great. What are your social media handles? Are you on social media? Yes. Or, okay, would yeah. you mind letting our... Sure, I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook shop. Um, I, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm also on, uh, let's see, uh, let's see, Twitter, yes, yeah, that's pretty much Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, those are the main ones that I stay on. What's your Twitter handle and Instagram handle? Uh, you, you asked me a hard question because yeah. I don't have that with me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, usually it's quickdraw underscore M is, uh, on most of it, and then okay. the Facebook is like uh, mark.mcraw3, I believe it is. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I didn't bring that with me. I'm sorry, but yeah. um, that's all right. I found you on Facebook. So <laughs> yeah, I'm on Facebook. I do have a Facebook shop. I have also have my website shop um, that they can order books on. I also have books on eBay. Mm-hmm. I have several books on eBay. So I have three shops right now okay. that are out there. Okay. So and yeah. I have actually had visitors on my website, which I'm excited in different places around mm-hmm. the world. So yeah. I'm excited about that. That people are actually going on and looking, and they can see the. The different things that are on there because i have a blog on there too so okay that's awesome well don't give up writing ever thank and thank you for your service to our great I country i appreciate sir. it thank appreciate you so you. much yeah absolutely nice to meet you yeah you too thank you very much thank you all right for more defining moments podcast content visit our webpage www.undefeated.show follow us at deaf moments pod on twitter and at defining moments podcast on instagram